I go potty real quick. I'm so sorry. This is the, it was I've, 30 I've, minutes ago. You just went potty. I've had so much beer. I promise you I love you. Sorry. Oh, go real quick. Oh gosh, you've got a problem, man. Yo mama. Yo mama. I'm gonna keep it real with you. Nate Doggy Dog. What's up, Al? It was really hard manufacturing that start like that. Uh, because we had been talking for 15 minutes before? Yes, yeah. before we've been doing that and just kind of trying to do that. You know, every time I say Nate Doggy Dog, you know what I think of? The Dylan's Deli? Yeah, exactly. I've been thinking <laughs> about it all day. I've been wondering, because I was trying to remember what you said over the intercom your last day of work at Dylan's. Oh, I'll never forget it. And in fact, t- today at work, we just set up like a podcast studio in our one of our little offices for the, our priest to start for recording stuff. Hot Priest Cry 2? Oh. <laughs> hot Priest Cry 2. And these, uh, so we have these legit equipment um, and I was just testing it out. So I was, they, they like set it up for me and they're like, Nate, just do 30 seconds so you can hear yourself what you sound like on this equipment. And I couldn't think of anything to say. So I just went with the Nate Doggy Dog coming at you live from the deli that I did at, at the deli all the time when I was working uh, as a fry cook in a Kroger <laughs> store in Wichita, Kansas. That's amazing. But on your last day, didn't you say, yo, this is Chef Nate Doggy Dog coming at you live from the deli section where we're practically giving meat away? Or did you make yeah. that up? No, that's true. That's exactly what I said. And I, and I think wow. one of my friends was in the store. What it was a, fun. What a brave moment. I would, I would never have had – I don't know. So definitely not as a high schooler, but even now. I don't know if I would have said that over the intercom. Oh, it was, it was my last day. I, did, I wasn't trying to... Uh... Did you flip everyone off as you did it? <laughs> uh, no, I like my deli, deli, Dylan's Deli community, Al. They were friends. I, I was managed by Trey Dash C. It was a uh, manager named Tracy. What do you mean, Trey da- Oh, Oh, okay. Her name was her spelled name Trey, Trey Dash, Dash C. C. I thought her name was Trey Dash C, and I was confused. Oh, that's wonderful. Tradashi is a pretty cool name. Tradashi. Yeah, if you say it fast, it kind of sounds cool. It is Tradashi. Hey, There's something Tridashi there. Molly. Something for, something for baby number two to think about. I will talk with Claire about it. Or uh, your baby number two. Uh, it would be baby number three by the time. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I have no children. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> how's your baby number one? Oh, man. So I sent Nate for all of our listeners. If anyone wants this video, please, please text me. I sent Nate this video today of Paul. He, uh, he got his shots today, his four-month shots. And oh. poor, the poor little guy was in so much pain. Honestly, he was super fussy. But Claire sent me this text. I was working in our dental lab making a, a whitening tray. And she sends me this, this video and says, you'll never believe this. He has never been so still in his life. So I play the video. It's about 30 seconds long. And Paul is laying face down on the ground in our living room. So first off, we rarely ever put Paul on his tummy. He usually freaks out after just a few minutes, but he's just laying there, just looking to the side, staring, not moving a single muscle. And Claire goes, Paul, are you okay? Do you, do your legs hurt from your shots? And she shows his cute little band-aids and he's still not budging. And for 30 seconds, he just lays there staring at her. And then finally, she touches his forehead. You know how you kind of run your finger between their eyes? Yeah. And she she rubs it over his eyes. And he closes his eyes and just 
just goes to sleep. <laughs> it was one of the cutest things I've ever seen in my uh, life. It, it was a beautiful video. Yeah. Poor, poor guy. He doesn't understand why you're letting him get a needle in his leg. I know, and, I know. Pain. It, it was actually really horrible. When I, when I had to help for there is too much shots, I think. You physically have to hold his arms down. I have to hold his arms down while they, the, both two nurses come in and jab him in the leg. Jeez. Pretty scary. Is he stronger than you yet? No, not yet. He's getting there. You know, the video of him just lying um, on the ground sleeping reminded me of uh, my phone picture of you, like the, the picture that comes up when you call. Little, it's, you, it's, it's you laying face down on the floor after uh, a trip to the beach in Galveston. Oh, we all came back and I think someone, <laughs> someone was cooking dinner and you were so hungry. I think you were yelling for food. And then we walk out and you're, you're just asleep on the floor face down. I was a hungry boy. Mm-hmm. You're a hungry boy. Just, yeah, like, uh, okay. just, just like Paul was. Yeah, I was a sleepy, yeah. hungry boy. Speaking of hungry boys, well, I don't know how that – that was a pretty bad yeah. transition into Lord of the how Rings. How are going to do that? Meat was back on the menu, um, but that was last podcast. So I don't know how this is going to work. But anyways, the return of the king, Nate. We've been uh, on a hiatus for a little over a month now. So I'm very excited to talk. I hope we're good at this. I hope it's like riding a bike and not like playing golf. But I did play the best round of my life last week. Um, That's right. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. 82? 83. Yeah, wow. Don't give me too much. Don't give Sorry. me too much credit. But the return I'm, of the king. How you feeling? I'm psyched to get back into it. It's been, it has been too long. Um, but I think we're going to pick up right where we left off. Literally because that's how uh, the sequel works. We're going to pick up at the that's end true. of the two towers. Um, yeah, you know, so let's I called it the Twin Towers on accident. I felt really yeah, bad. Tough look, tough mm-hmm. look. You're probably going to call this the Return of the Jedi, idiot. Um, <laughs> I will not. I will not. The Return of the King versus the Return of the Jedi is a great question, though. Great conversation. We'll have, have it later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I um, I don't know. I was doing a little research today. I didn't think I realized, especially not as a kid, until until more recently. I didn't realize what a feat the movie was. It came out in 2003. You know, I think it was filmed in 01 or 02. I think they filmed all of those sub, sub, subsequently. Sequentially. Sequentially, maybe. Like right back to back to back. Um, but that movie was, was like astronomical movie history. Uh, it won 11, all, won all Academy Awards it was nominated for. 11 of them. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay. I mean, it goes on and on. Some of the silly ones. Best Sound Mixing. Who do you think goes up for best sound mixing? Is it the, the guy sound mixers. Who the sound mixer or is it the or is it Orlando Bloom? I don't know. Anyways, I would love to be just one of a, a minuscule guy, a part of that movie. But it's really a it I mean this movie still holds up so well if you watch it now. All the CGI, everything. I feel like Minas Tirith doesn't look fake at all. It looks like they actually build it to me. Yeah, they really waited just long enough, I think, because this is this obviously the book is um, 60 years old. I think it published in the 50s. So um, they waited just long enough. Can you imagine if they tried this in even like the early 90s? I guess Jurassic Park in, in 93 had legitimately good. Jurassic Park was the, like the very first CG, CGI that was solid. Yeah. So that was and then to, but to pull this off um, where everything just aged really, really well. And the, the scope of it, you're right, Al, it took, they, they filmed it over uh, like a year in New Zealand, um, all at the same time. So you hear funny stories about like 
their first day on set, I think they filmed the last scene, stuff like that, just because really? of the way it worked out. Yeah, so they're they're filming everything, like everything in the shower. They kind of filmed at the same time because they had that set ready to go. So and then, um, but like the the scope of getting all those actors and, and actresses and sound mixers and everything, um, the logistics of it all is just oh. like hard to imagine. All of the costumes, there's there's a million, not only are there a million big actors in this, you know, Ian McKellen, Orlando Bloom, whatever Aragorn's name is, shoot, he's got a, he's got a Viggo cool Mortensen. name. Viggo Mortensen, that's right, got a cool name. I mean, there's there's like 15 big actors in here. Then think about all of the freaking orcs, the Rohan, the, um, the Gondorians. There's, there's millions and millions of just tiny little details that they got so well. Here's a fun fact for you. The uh, Rohirrim were mostly played by women. So they, they didn't have enough. So why, they, cause they didn't have enough guys with long hair. I am no man. Yeah. Yeah. It just really out. Let's just hire all these women who are really good horseback riders and the ones that you don't see their faces really, or even the ones that you do see their faces, like, They'll, they'll throw beards on them and stuff. And, no and, way. Yeah, a lot of them were women. That's um, really, really cool. So there's just all kinds of, like, of the, these little stories that come and they come out of this um, incredible journey of, of making these three films. And uh, like you said, Al, it was showered with Oscars. So this yeah. is funny. I mean, do you... Showered, I wonder, good word. I've never I showered with my Oscars before. I would, though, if I had one, um, hmm. which we might get. Yeah, but I would not shower with my Grammy if I had one. Just, you get that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would That's a shower, great joke. <laughs> I would shower with my Emmy if I ever received one. Oh, <laughs> that's even better. <laughs> that's good stuff. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Oh, um, wow. I boy. hope everyone thought that was as funny as we did. That was really <laughs> funny. Fire. I'm, uh, I, I have a real recording, is it? Named, right. named Emily. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah um, yes, yes. Just to, just to clarify there. That makes sense. But yeah. yeah. So it's the most awarded film of all time, but it's, would you call it the best film of all time? No, no, no. And that's, what's funny is cause it, it does it. It has, what did it say on the, the Wikipedia page? My, my real quick half-ass internet research was uh, they tie the record for the most Academy Awards won by a single film and hold the record for the highest clean sweep at the Oscars. Pretty wild. But it's not the best movie ever made. I mean, we I both think agreed that The Fellowship was the, the best. Fellowship's even better. So it's, it is kind of a sense of, you know, this is the last one of the three, so we've got to reward it or yeah. because it, we'll never see it again. And then Oscars are just funny because, you know, some years you just have down movie years. Like, I yeah. think 99 is a famously great movie year and i don't even know i wonder really good oh seven i think a lot of people regard as one of the the best i think the departed one but there are a lot of really great movies um yeah so So, it's it's just fun to talk about the movie itself but even the book i mean i i remember reading this i was reflecting today i've so unlike you i've only read this once and i read it in i think three days um i was in college station it was my first or second semester, and I was really picking up the habit of reading fiction a lot more. Um, and I read like 100 pages the first day, and then just a little bit the second day. And it was a Friday afternoon. I was done with the week, and I think I just stayed inside, and I didn't do or see anyone. And I just read the rest of the book until like midnight that night. 
it was I, was I was just so into it i loved how different it was from the movie and because it, the last part is mostly well the book would it be like book seven or something is all frodo and sam mm-hmm. and it's just it's totally different from the movie it's all of them just walking through mordor and it's very very interesting so i was just flying 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 reading through reading through so i couldn't put it down yeah he he really splits up uh, like three or four different storylines, like even in the first part of the book, which doesn't include Proto and Sam at all. Uh, and if you remember, at the end of the Two Towers, the book is the famous line: "You know, Frodo was alive, but taken by the enemy." But taken by the enemy. Mm-hmm. So then you have you you think on that for like a year until the Return of the King comes out, and then you read the first uh, twelve chapters of Return of the King. You don't hear about him at all. You don't know what happened to him until halfway through this book. Spoiler alert: you you have this great scene where an ambassador from the enemy from Sauron comes out with Frodo's clothes. Do you remember this bit? So, so so it's in the, so it's actually in the extended version. You really need to watch the return. It's really cool. It's a freaking scary looking dude too. They did such a good job making messed up teeth and everything. So you think, Oh shoot, is Frodo, they have his stuff. Is he really dead? Uh, Just an incredible uh, pacing of of the way they, they, that Tolkien put this together, you know, Mm -hmm. and the movie's not like that. And, that's fine. You can't really make movies like that. You know, you have to make all the yeah, stories yeah, inter- yeah. interweaving together. Yeah. I, I really think I was reflecting today a lot on how well Peter Jackson did all this in the midst of changing so much, especially the return. I think he did an amazing job. I, I don't know if there's a better book to movie adaptation, especially for a trilogy. Would you agree? I, I, I think so. You know, I think you love the book. That's what, that's what's different. I think a lot of these adaptations are by people who like the idea or, or like, you know, this is a really cool concept for a book, but he loved the book and he wanted to show the book on, on screen. And I think some, yeah. some nerds yeah. would disagree, but let's see what, what are the best holes is another one that, that holes is great. Is great holes is really great. Amazing soundtrack. I really, really, I love the Hunger Games movies. I think they're really awesome, especially the first two. I've only seen the first two. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, the second one, what is it? Not Mocking Jay. Catching, Catching Fire. Fire. I think Catching Fire yeah. is one. I, you can watch that movie standalone, and it's amazing. Hmm. Um, what, what else? What do you got? Um, I mean, so Jurassic many Park movies. Jurassic Park is great. Yeah, Jurassic great Park's amazing. So many movies are built off of novels, but we don't really realize it, I guess. I don't think any of the Harry Potter movies. I'm, I like watching the Harry Potter movies, uh, but I, I don't think they're nearly as good as the books. They're great for. Sorry for all of our anti anti Harry Potter fans. Yeah, yeah. I never Psychos. got to talk about Harry Potter. Um, Just, kidding. Kidding. Just kidding. You're not psycho. You're respectable human beings. She needs to sort out her priorities. All right. So you mentioned uh, the conversation of Return of the King versus Return of the Jedi. Eerily similar names. Hmm? George Lucas stealing from Tolkien. Um, Definitely. Real quick, do you think The Dark Knight Rises could have been called The Dark Knight Returns? Return of the Dark Knight. Yeah, that's a great oh, question. Return of the Dark Knight, my bad. <laughs> nah, it'd be stupid. I, it, it would be silly to, to – well, it would actually make sense it fits because he leaves for eight years. He does return. Time. Yeah, he does return. But it's the same sentiment, though. It's funny how every trilogy ends with yeah. some like something either – returning or, or getting better like it's the hero's journey idea yeah, where you yeah. go through this the second one is like something awful happens and there's a separation um, yeah 
Well, which of these two movies would you pick then? Return of the King or Return of the Jedi? I'd take Return of the King. I'd take Return of the King as well. Return of the Jedi is is the worst of the original trilogy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I really want to rewatch the uh, the three. I can't wait to watch the three, these three movies, but also the the original Star Wars trilogy with Paul someday, and just to see what he thinks. I feel like it's going to be hard for kids to really grasp like why Star Wars was so amazing because some of the CGI and stuff was so crappy. And if there's Paul's, movies, Paul's going to laugh so hard at the lightsaber battles in A New Hope. Yeah, yeah. Being yeah, a she, child in twenty twenty five and seeing the things he's gonna see, and then yeah, yeah, we're yeah. like, look at look at old Ben. Look at his stupid lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, this he's probably bad. gonna have a real lightsaber to stab someone with here. Probably, yeah, he's gonna oh, laugh I'm at it. Surprised. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely I, take Return of the King. Return of the King versus Return of the Jedi. Although the question is, if you put one of the characters in in the other movie. Well, how does the movie change? And even more specifically, you give Aragorn a lightsaber. Okay. What happens? So I, I want to think through this. I, I think Aragorn. I think Aragorn or Gandalf gets a lightsaber. It's game over for for all of Mordor, for all of evil. I think it's over. He's he's too good of a too good of a warrior, too good of a fighter, swordsman. But here's what I want to want to consider: is Frodo can use the ring to like wield a lightsaber we give it we give a lightsaber to a hobbit how does that change the story wouldn't that be interesting because they're not that good of fighters but he's got this incredible weapon because really the ring isn't that great of a weapon in the hands of a hobbit right but now we give him a lightsaber just a sword it'd be really interesting to see it play out i'd watch that movie I, i think he'd just use it to prepare food he would he would not use it to fight anybody. That's not a not that's not the Hobbit way. He just cut up a nice uh, a nice rabbit and potatoes. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. don't. I I would hope he would use it to kill Sauron, but maybe maybe that's the whole point. Maybe it's a test. Maybe he's supposed to throw the lightsaber into the fires of Mount Doom. That's right. I'd, it's a it's a great question, and I like it a lot. Good hypothetical there. Mm, we should yeah, talk to Peter go. Jackson someday about that. Peter Jackson, sure. Is he British or English? I think he's New Zealand. New Zealand. Newish Zealand. He's from New New Zealish. What kind of accent? Do they speak English in New Zealand? Yeah, they have pretty cool accents. You ever seen Fought of the Concords? No, I have not. It's just like Australian, but if you say that to them, I think they'll be offended because it's it's different. They'll be like, F you. We don't talk nothing like the Australians. I, I don't know. It's... I can't do it very well. Don't, that was don't a pretty good accent. Right, accents thanks. are really hard. You really got to practice them. Yeah, um, I used to love accents. When I was in uh, grade school and in, in, in middle school, I, I would do accents constantly. I'm sure really in grade school? Wow, I definitely I, I, did not. I used to think British accents were so fun in, when I was a kid. I didn't start doing accents until I thought you were just re- – I thought you just reached for a shot glass and took a shot for some reason. I only saw <laughs> – just a little bit of a shotgun for some reason. I've been reading a book to Claire for about a year now, and I've been really working on my accents. I'm getting pretty good at Russian. Getting, getting oh, you're reading a, what book? Dostoevsky? The, the Father's Tale. Oh. Yeah, it's oh. so freaking long. It's like a 1,000 pages. We're only 400 pages in after one year. It's brutal. Oh, All right, Jeepers, anyways. Michael O'Brien. Back to uh, The Return of the King. Speaking of long, this podcast – um, 
<laughs> All right, that that intro, that first introductory scene, I I cringe and like hurt every time I watch it. I when I watched it with Claire about two months ago, I wanted to close your eyes because it's so scary. I mean, poor kids are just. I had nightmares about it like for years. Every time I watched it when I was a kid, I had nightmares about it. You really? got him strangling him. It's such a an intimate moment. You know, it starts as friends and then the way the ring changes him so quickly. But then also the the music engulfs you. You know, you hear that the the heartbeat. It almost sounds like train tracks, like doom, 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 and it's slowing mm-hmm. down. You're not know talking about it really, really engulfs you. Then you watch Gollum's descent into madness and biting into the fish. It's just an excruciating scene to watch. I think it's like the perfect hook for a movie to start it off here. Because we had been wanting to see that. And I think they had played clips of it. Um, not the car- not the people, but like the hand and the river. They, yeah, we had yeah. seen that stuff, but we had not seen – we didn't really expect to even see that because obviously that's not really – that doesn't happen in the books. It's, right. it's described. But, yeah, so it was it – was, you're right, like a perfect hook. And then, and then you get um, Gollum's descent into Gollumness. And then, like, the the title screen pops up with just the great the great soundtrack in the background. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a great a great beginning to this movie. And I and I remember watching it in theaters, thinking about they really. I I didn't know how they were going to begin this, but they really sucked me in. Yeah, they they just they throw you in right away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's great. All right, so we got Frodo and Sam uh, at the beginning of the movie. They are, like, on the outskirts of Mordor, basically. Um, and then the rest of the gang is scattered to the four winds. We got uh, Helm's Deep is over. Winds, is that what you call it? Uh, we got, you know, Aragorn just finished up at Helm's Deep. Uh, and, and actually, that's where they're all – they happen to be uh, gathered right now at Isengard. They just finished mm-hmm. there. They go, they go to Isengard. They have this weird interaction with Saruman, which kind of sucks. I'm actually upset about it. It's not in the books. Um, and then they end up with this Palantir, this crystal ball. Alec, did you like this uh, scene? And did it make sense to you when you watched it? No, and it, it still doesn't. I, I wish I could. I need to reread the books so I can understand it more. The Palantir, I think, is really confusing, especially just watching the movies twice. The, um, the extended versions make that scene really neat. It's really funny because they – I think they show up and it's all about Mary and Pippin smoking the, uh, the last yeah. of the long bottom. Um, yeah. And then there's a great shot. That's how they show Saruman dies in the extended version. He falls off the tower in a really cool way. I think warm, warm tongue. No, warm tail is Harry Potter. What's his name? It's war- it's warm tongue. Yeah. Warm tongue. All right, great. He stabs him in the back and he falls off and, and, and dies. But I, I, no, I still don't totally understand what the heck the Palantir is. Well, it's, it's essentially a crystal ball. I mean, it, they used it, they made it with ancient magic. You know, you don't really have to understand it. You just have to understand that you can Tell see. Tell me about it, Nate. <laughs> you just have to know you can see other people's crystal balls and what they're thinking and stuff. So that's that. And Mary, Mary can't handle it. It's kind of like the ring. You can only handle it if you have really strong will. Um, so it's not, it's not Mary, it's Pippin who grabs it and 
Pippin's a pansy. The, uh, Pippin's a pansy, and the other owner is, well, Denethor. You find out later. Denethor actually has one, but Sauron, the the evil. Do king, they know? He, do they know Sauron has one? I think they figure he does, no. but and Gandalf kind kind of kicks himself for not grabbing it sooner or covering it up sooner. So that's why it's just it's just that the danger is that Pippin grabs it, and then so Sauron knows someone else has the this palantir and he can read yeah. pippin's mind um or what his thoughts and, and and potentially that frodo and sam are have the ring and are walking towards mountain doom so that's uh-huh. the big the big danger yeah okay okay but but the other bummer is so they had to kind of write off sorrow man uh and they had to kill him in the scene but in like I hate to keep doing this. The book version of how Saruman Star- dies is, is amazing. Yeah, he, yeah. You remember what Shire. happens? He I don't remember what happened, but I remember this the scene of Sky in the Shire. Do the hobbits take him off and just kill him basically somehow? No, so so the hobbits, they get back to the Shire and it's taken over by these men and, and Saruman and the, the four hobbits rally the troops, they get everyone together and they take back the Shire and it's kind of like these four, you know, weak characters who flew by the seat of their pants this whole time and basically just got off on bravery and now they're actually getting off on bravery and like on all the lessons they learned all the strength all the weapon all the uh uh, weapons they can now wield all all these amazing things they're taking it into their own in in their own hands um but they surround saruman they're like all right you got to get out of here um they kick him out of the shower and saruman tries to kill frodo and Frodo's oh. got Frodo's yeah, got. I don't the, remember this. Yeah, he's got the mithril on. Yeah, so it doesn't work. The knife like breaks, and it, like as he was shooting him, I think like four or five hobbits shot him with arrows, like to protect Frodo. Oh, that's amazing! And as he's dying, like he tries to look back towards the west, which is where Valinor is, and where Frodo and Gandalf boat to at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and there's a wind that comes from the West and blows, blows his spirit basically into dust. Oh. And so his, his body disappears and stuff. It's like a, a rejection. The dust. The dust. Wow. So uh, yeah, he, he's rejected from returning to where his, his Valinor too. Uh, that is really neat. Do you think the sky in the shower is really, I think it's probably a hot topic for all of this. Do you think the sky in the shower would have worked in the, in the movies and film? I wish it would have. I, I don't know how they would have done it because they would have had to set up so much more of the Hobbit's desire to get home. They're, the reason they did all this in the first place, they would have had to set up like the characters in the Shire um, at the beginning of Fellowship and they just didn't do any of that. And the, these movies are already like 12 hours long. So uh, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know how they would have pulled yeah. it off. But we'll, we'll discuss the ending in a little bit. And, and I agree with you, though. I think the Sky in the Shire would have – it's already really effing long. I don't think the Sky in the Shire – they would have had to done what they did with Harry Potter and um, the Hunger Games where you split up the last movie into two parts, which I'm not really a fan of. I love watching yeah. it in one piece. Um, well, well, that's interesting. It's, um, so that's the first scene. That's where we first see those threes at Isengard. And then do they march – back to they're then they're back to Rohan, right? They, they, they yeah, go so back this there. is this is where the court sort of split up. Mary Mary goes to Rohan, mm. Pippin and Gandalf go to Minister. Mm-hmm. Um and you get Why all do the, like, you the always have scenes. to look. Yeah, yeah. So Mary's like 
of the two, like the the more grown up, responsible one. Mm-hmm. But they have their own little adventures. It's great that they get to split up and and um, they both save the day in their own little way. After yeah. after this, ooh, little way like uh, like Treasure Lasso or like a Hobbit. Um, so Treasure Lasso uh, is the Hobbit of of all saints. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good. Do you think she's ooh. short? I'm mm-hmm. sure she was short, right? I wonder who the patron saint of short people is. It'd be interesting. Or midgets. Mm. Mm. Great I don't question, know. though. Yeah, thank you. The good things to ponder. If anyone could mm-hmm. ever find this out, please let us know. Yep. Uh, so I, I do love, though, when we get, we finally meet the steward of Gondor, which we could talk a lot about. Um, what's his nuts? Um, Denethor, one Denethor. of my worst fathers of all time in the yep. previous podcast. He is a horrible father. Uh, his cherry tomatoes are extremely juicy all over his face constantly. The juiciest um, tomatoes. But I, uh, what, what this does set up, though, when, when Pippin's out there with Gandalf, it sets up the beacons are lit scene, which is really, really cool. But it's not in the books, right? It's, not it really. Seems, the, it's, the beacons are already lit. Yeah. yeah. It they, seems to me they're... like in the movies, it's kind of a, a little thing, like you said, for Pippin to save the day. It's like kind of throwing the hobbits a bone. But it's yeah. a really fun – I love the scene. I, I, I love watching it. Do you think, though, that New Zealand paid them to do that scene? To just it's show off New beautiful Zealand? set of shots. Yeah, it's, uh, it's earth-taking. It's or breathtaking. It's breathtaking. It is earth-taking. <laughs> it's earth-shaking. Breathtaking. Uh, it's a, the hash-slinging, slashing, it, it just blows you away every time you watch it. The sash-winging, the trash-singing, mash Flinging the flash, springing, ringing the the crash, dinging. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I would love to climb those. I would love to be the guy who just has to live on top of a mountain, waiting yeah. for uh, the the vegans to be lit. So I, I think uh, about those poor dudes all the time. Do you think they like? Did they have a job like day to day? Was their job to change out the wood because it wood kind of rots over time? It gets yeah. Bad. They'd have to keep that fresh. I, I imagine there's a shift. Like you stay, you stay there for three or four days and then someone takes your place and yeah. and it's just like a rotating cycle i i bet it's a pretty lucrative for knowing you from think what they make I, money i think it's a position like a paid position and i bet it's like working oil rigs uh-huh. like you have you have I to see. go off and you make good I money see. but you're just on the yeah maybe on you're on for six for weeks months. and then you're off huh mm-hmm. that's not a bad that's that's a good good comparison i could do to that it. i could do that for a while man sign me up that'd be dope especially if i gotta live there could you imagine the stories you could write from on top of a mountain that'd be amazing oh, yeah yeah or the prayer maybe. you'd have you'd be uh, a literary genius yeah so because because did they say in the books how the last time how long it'd been since the last time the beacons had been lit I imagine hundreds of years. It had been hundreds of years for sure. Yeah. Those dudes are just chilling. Could seem like a waste of money, but thankfully pays off in the end. So it didn't waste it. Oh, they need it. They need it because they're not smart enough to invent telephones yet. So they, <laughs> they had to do that. So what else are you going to do? Speaking of things paying off, insurance. This is basically like insurance. But real, real quick aside here, I, I got to say this. Claire's dad told me this, that um, you know how Wimbledon was canceled? I don't remember yeah. when Wimbledon was supposed to be, but apparently for the last 20 years, Wimbledon had been taking out pandemic insurance. It cost them a million dollars a year for pandemic insurance. So they've been paying nine, they either paid 19 or $20 million, but their payout was like 200 to $250 million this year. Unbelievable. What? Yeah. That's, That's a great suspicious. bet. <laughs> you think, Do you it think was Wimbledon, Wimbledon is in with the Chinese? 
I Wimbledon and the Chinese are in are in cahoots. They're playing doubles. Oh, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Not as good as my Grammy joke, but uh, yeah, you had a good Grammy joke. Yeah, thank you. Emmy, good the job, Emmy bro. was a great comeback. It really, I'm kind of pissed because I was like, damn, mine was great, and then yours was really good right back at mm. me. Um, well. But the beacons get lit. Send them off. Uh, send the Rohirrim on this great. I, I love the. I love seeing the horsies. They're so cute. You know, such such cute horsies. There's two things I want to talk about here. There's a bunch of things I want to talk about. There's only two that we'll, we'll we should. We should get to. Uh, one is the speech of Theoden right before they charge. Yeah. It makes me tear up uh, every time I watch it. It gets me so psyched. I watch it on YouTube just for giggles uh, yep, occasionally. Yep. I don't and, giggle, though. I get excited. I, I'm, I'm like, when I need extra uh, motivation, I watch it. Yeah. it it's an incredible, um, I think you'd call it like a Germanic uh, approach to warfare. Totally. Like we're doing this for glory. We're all going to die, but at least they'll write songs about us, you know, that type of thing. Um, so very cool. And then the scene in the book where, where Gandalf is like basically the last man standing in Minas Tirith, uh, going up against the king of the, the, the witch king of Angmar, the, the Nazgul. And he's just standing in the, in the breach, you know, you shall not, you're not getting past, uh, <laughs> The the passage at the end of the Siege of Gondor, the chapter. I'm not going to read it. It would take too long, but I really... Even though you it. have it written on here, read out loud the end of the Siege of Minas Tirith. I know, but I changed my mind, and I think it would sound silly, and I'd, I'd just get choked up. It's okay. I, I remember right. I told my roommate to read it one, one morning, right before he went to work, and he read it, and he started crying, and he just goes, okay, I got to go to work. And he just laughed. <laughs> It's okay, an incredible. Tell me, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Cool. All right. So it's basically just incredible prose of of Gandalf facing down this Lord of the Nazgul in a situation that he cannot win. You know, yeah. he's he's fighting. The doors are open. The hordes of uh, Mordor are are about to pour through, and it's just Gandalf standing on Shadowfax, like one man left, and. And they're like the Black Rider, the the Nazgul is taunting him, saying like you're you're gonna die, Gandalf, and Gandalf won't back down. And then there's a a cock crowing in the background, and the sun rises, and and this and this the storm clouds clear, and then they hear horns, horns blowing in the in the in the at the end of the field, and they they look over there, and that's when they see the Rohirrim, Rohan had come. And they're standing on the hill, getting ready to charge, and then, and it saves the day. Like they're just about to lose. And uh, oh, it's just I'm getting fired up right now. What's <laughs> what's what's amazing is is an author who can do that well because it's I I think it's easier to do in film, right? You got the music, you got the sound, you're immersed in it. But like you said, when you can put these into words and you experience it, you imagine it, and you're moved by just by just words on a page, it's really really special. It's yeah. an it's obviously sen- it's why it's an art form. It's a sensory passage. You you hear everything, you smell everything, you see the the sun rising. I mean, it, you're right there. It's it's such a dope um, passage. Right now! Love it. And then, um, so the second thing I wanted to talk about was this famous um, Aowen versus the Nazgul. 
So mm-hmm. in this battle, you which get, I think is confusing as well if you're just watching the movies. Maybe, maybe. So you get this this woman, this pr- uh, princess, basically of of Rohan, and she sneaks on with the men, and she's fighting, um, and and she has this incredible showdown with this very powerful Nazgul. And Mary helps her out. And if, if not for Mary, she would have died. If not for Mary, uh, like the whole story would have been different. But also without yeah. her, the the Nazgul would have like wreaked havoc. Probably on taken this over. Sure. Army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what was confusing about it? Well, she says, I am no man and no man could kill me. Is that true? Can no man actually kill him? Well, so it's, it's this funny prophecy. Like prophecy is weird in general in, in books. I, I love diving into like basically self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. I love it when authors are able to do that. And, and then so someone hears about this prophecy and they actually make it come true through their actions on accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but the prophecy was basically these, these elves were fighting the, the Nazgul, this famous elf, Glorfindel, I think. And, and he gets wrecked. Their, their squad gets wrecked. And, and that's what he says. He's like, yeah, this, this, this creature will be a force until the end of time. No man, will, no, no, man. Man will, no man will kill him. And I think he was talking about the other men in his group. It's kind of like, you know, Al, if I may, a little bit of a biblical prophecy. <laughs> because in like Isaiah and Ezekiel and all these and Daniel, all these prophecies had something had they were written for something that was going on in their time period. Yeah, like uh, kings in the court, they're talking about uh, a virgin will be born to some some mistress in the court, or or child will be born to a virgin. Uh, and so that that was that's why Glorfindel said this thing, but it was remembered and recorded through time and then becomes gotcha. like a prophecy over time. Gotcha. And Interesting. Then, so, okay. So, so it was famous that this, no man would ever be able to kill the Nazgul. And so he had banked on that. Like, you know, he, I'm, I'm invincible. He knew uh, about it. You know, no man can kill me. And then Eowyn shows up. I am no man. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah, it's it's a really cool shot. Really interesting noise that it makes when she kills him. Yeah. I'm talking about the kind of screech there. Whoa. That was a good. Did that it was sound really well like done? It? It sounded just like it. I was. Kind I of can't scared. wait to re-listen to it. <laughs> but then, um, I when I watch it, I actually don't feel super sad for Theoden. I don't know. I wasn't that attached to him. Yeah, he's an awesome king, but I don't think it's that great of a death scene. What do you think? That's a hot take. I'm not sure. He just kind of ends up dead, like yeah. the, the horse on top of him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we, uh, we, right after that, we get the um, one of my least favorite moments. And, and and you can disagree. I'm not a huge fan of the whole ghost coming and killing everyone. I feel like Ooh. it's a Deus Ex Machina where it's like, yeah, where Tolkien's trying to find something to save the day. Maybe I'm wrong. It does have a cool backstory, all that stuff. Like the, they like are fulfilling their oath. But at that point, why would, why do Aragorn and Orlando Bloom, why do they even fight? Why do, why do Legolas and Gimli, why do they even continue on fighting? Just let the guys take care of the day. It was to get the count up there. Gimli and Legolas were were in a battle. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It is kind of, it is very Deus Ex Machina. And it's, and I, I'm going to say it again, Al. You're not going to like this. Yeah. Actually, yeah. In, in the books, in the book, it's a yeah. little different. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the best right. kill? It, is that the best kill in the three books? 
The elephant the kills. Elephant. I'm not sure if he kills an elephant in the books, but in the movies, for sure, it's it's pretty for wild. Sure. Yeah, it is pretty wild. I was so psyched as a 12 year old watching Legolas kill it. I was Legolas. Oh, for I watched Halloween it every one. One, uh, Wait, one year. You were an elephant for Halloween or Legolas? I was Legolas. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, if you remember in the last podcast, you famously claimed that he wasn't the hottest guy, though. Well, that's why I'm humbled too. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the hottest. I guy. can't he's believe not. you were Legolas for Halloween, but you won't agree that he's the hottest guy. He's the coolest. I couldn't. I was twelve. I didn't. I had. Uh, he looks like a twelve-year-old. No facial hair. Like, how can you say Legolas is the hottest guy when Aragorn exists? I'm looking he's, at his picture on. He's on beautiful right now. He's beautiful. Ah, you're psycho. But also, I think Faramir is hotter than Aragorn. Oh, smile much, Faramir. Gosh, how dare I, you? I bet he'd smile much in real life. Maybe. Does he, you know, does he marry Eowyn in the books? Is that what happens? Do they get together in the books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's something they missed uh, out on. That would have been cool to have a little love story there. Oh, they didn't have that in the movies. No, no, yeah. they sure didn't. Too much going on. No. Um, gosh, but I just – I love Minas Tirith. I love the – I just love that whole city. It's so beautiful. Um, kind of a, would be an annoying place to live, I think. Really? There's just so many gates and, like, I don't know. It's all just going up a mountainside. That's how true. Would you, how do you get one place to another? Hmm. Hmm. I'd rather live in in Rivendell or in Mordor. I'd like to go vacation at Rivendell. I'd mm. like to live in Minas Tirith, be the dentist of Minas Tirith. I'd get a lot of business, I think. I, but I'd like to would. be on the top of the mountain and you know, uh, maybe have a nice elevator or something to bring me up. You'd probably have to do a bunch of stuff as a dentist in in this world. Yeah. Didn't didn't dentists used to be like the just everything? The yeah, just, you, the you'd surgeon, be, the... yeah, you would just pull a lot of teeth, I think. I don't think they, they had very good good actual science back then. But we do now. I promise you that, Nate. So don't forget to go to your dentist for the first time in six years. Yeah, we'll see. That battle there. The Siege of Gondor. Is that, is that what they kind of call it? You know, we call the other ones Helm's Deep and Two Towers. But the Siege of Gondor, I, I really think that's a really fun battle. Um, I got, I got a, one big question here. Do you think – why do you think they had to make this big old hog to tear down the gates of Minas Tirith? It is interesting that they decorate it. They make it look like a, a pig or whatever. Yeah, but it's and there's, great. There's fire it's inside called, too. So it's, it's, it's called Grand. And it's named after the Hammer of the Underworld, which was wielded by Morgoth in the First Age. Oh, my gosh. You are so – so speaking of Sam Johnson, did you know that his dad called their basement Morgoth's Realm when we were growing up? <laughs> yeah, it's a great name. I love it. Morgoth's Realm. So, Morgoth's wait, in the books, that's a real thing? They actually have named the, the Hammer? Or the, they named they, the they Hammer. Named they the, call it – they can they name both, but they named this this siege engine after Grand, the hammer of the underworld. Battering ram. Wow. Yeah. It's a great name for anything. Grand. Grand? How do you spell that? G-R-O-N-D? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Grand. Put that on the baby list. Baby name list. That's good. Uh yeah, yeah. Okay. So Minister is an incredible battle sequence. Mm -hmm. It's it's epic, true like in every sense of the word, epic in yeah. scope um yeah yeah so that kind of wraps that up in terms of like what aragorn legolas gimli that yeah. crew is, is so, up to 
so remember when they're they're sitting chilling up in the the tower of Minas Tirith and they're talking about what they're doing. They're talking about Frodo and Sam. I hate that conversation because all of a sudden you have Legolas who just goes a diversion. <laughs> I think you don't like that. I think it's the worst line in Lord of the Rings. It's like obviously he's talking about a distraction, a diversion, and he just goes a diversion. A diversion. He's saying it, so it's making it real. You know, he's speaking it into existence. Oh, no one else no. had said it. Aragorn was talking about it, obviously. It's trash. <laughs> it's such a dumb, stupid I can't lie. Believe, I can't believe you hate that. Mm-hmm. You say obvious stuff all the time. Well, of course I say obvious stuff, but I did, I'm not in a movie where every single line <laughs> counts. I say, I say all kinds. I said in the last podcast, I said that's great probably 60 times. Yeah, that's great. That's great. A diversion. Yeah, we a know Legolas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna we get it in there. It's also, I think it's overly. It's like overacting right there. It's one of the few times that they overact. And he's just a diversion. <laughs> I'm not. I wonder if is Orlando Bloom a good actor, or did he get lucky with two of the greatest trilogies ever made? That's a good question. Is he? Has he been anything since Pirates? I don't know of any other movie he's in. Hmm. Kingdom up. of Heaven, I guess. It was a Crusades movie. So I haven't seen that, but I heard the rewatchables talk about how solid it is. Yeah, I guess it's pretty good. I don't I know if anything you, else he does. Did I ever tell you that my... Oh, wow. Orlando Bloom says his heart is already broken as Dog Mighty goes missing. <laughs> like, this is the cutest dog I've ever seen. He lost his dog. Dog is missing, Nate. We gotta go find it. Oh, yeah, look at it. It's so cute. Holy freaking spokes. Did I ever tell you that in Spanish, too, in high school, my Spanish name was Orlando Blumo? Bluma? No. Yeah. I uh, I hadn't heard that about you. Isn't that neat? <laughs> this, I can't believe this is the headline. Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry's dog is missing. This is, uh, this I didn't is know real news. Katy Perry, good for him. That's cool. So he's in, looks like he's in some other smaller stuff. Oh, was he in some of the Hobbits? I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, he was, hmm. which is baloney. Yeah, those aren't, they those ain't good. Uh, but Pirates of the Caribbean is is, is such a good movies. trilogy. Yeah, Claire and I watched those um, on our honeymoon. Well, we watched the first one on our honeymoon, and the other two when we got back home. And I remember we were sitting in bed. I had a glass of whiskey that Brian had gotten me for our wedding. And we were watching these movies, and I, I honestly felt like I was in heaven, you know, laying in bed with mm. my wife for the first time, watching a movie, drinking whis- mm. nice whiskey. It was mm. it was magnificent. Wow. I hope you, you get to experience that someday. Emily mm. will, would probably be well, – sorry to say that, but she'd probably be asleep next to you if you're watching a movie. No, she'd probably uh, – yeah, well, yeah, interesting. I can't wait to find out. I don't know. <laughs> Emmy. <laughs> Amy. Okay. Okay. So when Frodo and Sam, we, we kind of open up the movie, obviously with the start, the introduction, but we, we get to see them right in front of the entrance to Mordor. Is that right? Or the entrance to the tower? Maybe I'm not sure where those scary gates are, but yeah. did, I, I like, I'm always baffled by that scene of how freaking close they were to all those orcs. It's amazing that the, uh, that they were just right there. They could have. Yeah, the stupid orcs should have just looked up if they see him. If they sniffed them, they would have found him. You know. Uh-huh. So, uh, and then those stairs 
There's no way they could climb those stairs. It's those like are a, scary stairs. I've never seen anything like scary. that. Those are like the stairs that go into my grandparents' basement. I mean, I hated him as a kid. I always fell down. Or the stairs up to the attic in uh, Pilsen, uh, where we used to play Dupong <laughs> on retreats. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Dude, steep stairs are kind of scary, especially for kids. Definitely, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I hope Paul never falls down the stairs. He won't. He's vaccinated, so it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so we get up there and, ah, oh, freaking Gollum. This is when you – it's so interesting watching these because you hate Gollum for minutes, and then you pity him so much. You feel so much compassion and mercy for him, and then you just despise him again the next minute. And this is right. This is one of the moments where I despise him the most is when he stabs Sam in the back. Um, oh, what a truly – this is one of the dumbest scenes in, in the movie, in all three movies, where Frodo just, like, tells Sam to go home. Yeah, tell Sam to go home. What an <laughs> a-hole. Like, well, you think he stole the food? You really think yeah, Sam's really the one stealing go? the food? So, so how does this work out in the books? Uh, well, they don't get separated. They both just go into the Shalob's lair together, and then they kind of get separated in the, in the cave. But yeah. Gollum sneaks off in front of them. Okay. Um, so does See. Sam not get captured or anything though? So Sam does not get captured. Sam Frodo gets stabbed. Sam fights the the spider just like in the books. Beats uh-huh. her off. It's amazing. Um, he uses the the vial, the the light, in Frodo's sword. Uh, incredible scene. I love it. I love it when the hobbits are forced to um, like take action yeah they're actually, forced to be great sure instead of doing the yeah they're just being they're brave the the whole book but they're actually doing doing the action here it's Good amazing stuff. Uh-huh. um and then so he thinks frodo's dead and samwise yeah. you fool samwise, that's a great fool. great line it'd be the You're opposite dead. of diversion uh-huh. Okay, so that's interesting. So I, I, because I hate that scene. It just breaks my heart every time. But you're absolutely right. It's stupid. Like, why would Frodo tell him to freaking go home? Go home? What are you talking way. about? Silly goose. We came all the way here. I know. I, yeah, we came and all the I way here. And I can't believe that like, he truly thought that Sam was just stealing the food. Yeah, and and would that really like Sam is a fat hobbit? You know, what he he needed a little bit more blameless bread. But but you also saw him sacrificing earlier in the movie i don't know it's silly stuff i agree with you i don't know if it was needed for the extra drama there i think they totally no. could have done the um i think you're right they totally could have done what was in the books there but the, yeah. the fight with she love is really cool i love the little pincer you can hear it when it's stabbing down like going into yeah. the dirt it's a great scene Hey, that's why they didn't win best sound mixing at the Oscars for nothing. Oh, that sound really mixer. Shout out to sound. him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I saw something interesting on Wikipedia about Shield. The sound department spent the early part of the year searching for the right sounds. A Tasmanian devil was used to create Shelob's shriek, which in turn gave inspiration for Oita's animators. I don't know what that is. Oita's? Um, yeah, so I wonder if that's someone who was an animator in it. But human screams and a donkey screech were mixed into Sauron's fall, and broken glass was used for the collapsing sounds. No way. A Tasmanian devil for Shelob's shriek. Pretty cool. I was not expecting that. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what sound. I guess I know what now what sound a Tasmanian devil makes. The sound uh-huh. that Shelob makes. I don't think I've ever seen a Tasmanian devil before. Have you? They're, they're cute little guys. I think they live in Tasmania. Yeah, it makes sense. I kind of always forgot that they were real. I, I thought that they were just kind of like the, little, oh, frick, those do not look cute. 
No, they, are they scary? Yeah, they're scary. Well, I guess they're scary when they've got their mouths open because their teeth are big and scary. But otherwise, yeah, they're kind of cute. I wouldn't call them a devil. Eh, they're kind of scary them. looking. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I uh, when when uh, this is why I read this book in in, in three days is because the Frodo and Sam stuff here up to this point is so freaking exciting. You can't put it down. Even in the movies, it's it's so great the way that they cut back and forth, and it's like disaster after disaster, and they're just like moving on, moving on. Sam's bravery at this point is pretty unbelievable. Like Frodo Sam, is <clears throat> Sam. Sam is. is just an incredible man. He's the hero. Yeah. I love how though um I do like I know that this could be kind of a Deus Machina, the big old fight scene between the Orokai and the other orcs. And isn't it Orokai and Orcs that fight in the They're tower? definitely two different like classes. Yeah. Yeah. We get a so lot more it's orcs. We get a lot more like actual orc interaction in the books, like names and, and dialogue and all this stuff. But that Great actually occurs, talk. right? That actually occurs in the books where they there's this huge battle scene and there's this huge massacre that basically leaves Frodo almost alone up in the tower. You know, and I, I think it fits into the theme of, um, so yeah, these orcs are infighting. And because of that infighting, the, the basically- The opposite the, of inbreeding. The danger and the what's, what's, what everyone is scared of about the enemy is how, you know, being- killed by them but fighting yeah. between you know and and they turn it against themselves um and i think that fits into the whole theme of how this how the story ends right it was like Gollum, the the danger of Gollum, him stealing the ring from frodo actually is what saves the day and it fits into the whole theme of christianity is like you know <laughs> the devil by is our tricked. sins we are saved basically. Yeah. yeah we we death death is the means like the devil lets Jesus into hell uh, because he like in, in, and uh, yeah, play plays over, overextended his, his, his hand. And so it fits into that, that theme overall, which I, I kind of like, I wouldn't yeah. consider it quite a deus ex machina. I can see yeah. how it would come off like that. But I, but I do love this part because you see Sam being brave and he's, he's like no longer afraid of orcs. Oh, look at those bays. Um, you, you no longer see Sam afraid of orcs. You see him go and, you know, he's kind of got the scary shadow thing, but he's just, this is for my old gaffer. I love that. Yeah. He fights up. The music comes up. You got the orc coming over about to stab Frodo. And then you see a sting strike yeah. right through his chest. Whew, What's... Not if I stick you first. Sam! Here's a little touch, Al. They stab him through the chest. And then, before he pulls out the knife, the, the blade turns like silver again because it's blue. Because oh, it there's orcs, there's orcs around, but when he kills them, wow, it turns detail. back to being great the detail. Details, the details. That's mm, what matters. Love That's it. good stuff. I love it. I did not notice that. So, for people who didn't know, Sting, which is Frodo's sword handed down to him from uh, Bilbo, turns blue when orcs are close, when orcs are nearby. So that's why Nate's saying it's really neat. That's why I'm saying it's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So, so Frodo and Sam, the gang is back together, and then they mm-hmm. start walking. The boys they, they start town. marching. It's a long march. Some hijinks ensue. There's um, a really neat. The extended versions show a lot of that, where they have to dress yeah. up in in orc uh, uniform to try and get past some of it, and how um, how heavy it all is, and how they basically 
they have to like hide and do all this weird stuff. And that's where the book is really detailed. That's where I got so into it and read it in one night, basically. Well, and, and again, that, that is just exactly what Jesus is doing on the cross, right? Taking on our sins, becoming sin himself. Becoming a criminal almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Frodo and Sam become like, they don't do it as fully as Jesus did, obviously, but they take on the, the look and the, everything about these orcs so they can blend in and be and, and get through Mordor. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I'm stoked movie. to talk about this, this last scene. Gotta go potty real quick. I'm so sorry. This is, the, I've, it was I've, 30 I've, minutes ago. You just went potty. I've had so much beer. I promise you, I love you. Sorry. Oh my gosh, you've got a problem, man. But the only food for the Draven tooth comes from that green dragon. So yeah, like Alex said, this is one of uh, one of the greatest scenes in literature history. Uh, the the trip up the mountain, Frodo and Sam um, uh, struggling to get to the top of Mount Doom. Oh, we have well, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, we have this great scene of Frodo, you know, struggling to to, to walk. He can't carry it anymore, and Sam realizes he can't take the ring. You know, it's Frodo's burden to bear, and he says, "I can't carry it, Mister Frodo." But I can carry you, and he and he picks him up, and he starts walking. Yeah. Incredible! Yeah, it's freaking amazing. It just yeah. gives you the chills. I mean, they play it in sports yeah. montages and stuff. But the uh-huh. the the thing is, how slow is this going to take? I mean, like, his first step, he goes nowhere. He he struggles to get Frodo on his shoulders. He takes a step and basically just slides back to where he was. I imagine, like, I imagine that just keeps going. He'll go like an inch at a time. It'll take him an hour to go ten feet. Mm-hmm. This is where my, this is where my heart just so feels so heavy right at this point. Because there's no way that they pull this off. Like every little step is going to be a torture, but they just uh keep taking an inch at a time. Yeah, it's like when you look at like constellation and desolations. Like the 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 depression here at this point is like holy freaking crap. There's no way they made it this far. They're not going to make it. Every step is so excruciating. It looks like they either of them could die at any moment i can't carry it for you but i can carry you come on oh yeah and so you have this incredible high of uh you know they're about to die and then sam thinks he can you know just put frodo on his shoulders Mm -hmm. and and he's going he's going he's going and he's gaining steam and then Gollum shows freaking butthole Gollum again what a you know you never see you never see his butthole, which is shocking throughout the whole film. <laughs> Considering <laughs> how small of a little rag he wears, you never see anything. That is very true. That is very true. He's got to have real little butt cheeks, probably. Yeah, it's a little skinny uh, guy. But yeah, he, so, he comes so out Gollum of nowhere. Come, uh, yeah, it's it's and that's heartbreaking too because you just you want to hate the guy. Uh-huh. I mean, you should. I, I suppose you should. You should also like this whole thing of mercy and and justice and it all comes into play here uh-huh. and then so the frodo takes off and he and then frodo gets to the the cracks of mount doom and speaking this of is, cracks <laughs> yeah they're on fire that was great <laughs> so this this scene is uh one of my favorite scenes i love thinking about this in one of my accounting classes we were um basically tested on giving a, a public speech. We had to speak for five minutes to show, you know, this is an accounting class. We had to prove that accountants could speak in front of other humans. So this was oh, just nice. a way to, good, good to get you. them out. We could talk about anything we wanted. I talked about this last scene and really? what it means for uh, Tolkien's great. Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. So I love I'm it. very I love excited. It. 
I'm very excited. I've thought about this scene a lot. And until I heard you talk about it, it didn't click for me because I was so confused. Why the heck Tolkien would do this? Why would Tolkien bring Frodo here to the end, to the actual point where he can save the day? It's where you see the protagonist change. It's where you see him become the man. You see him. And then all of a sudden he decides to put it back on. I've always been so confused until, and yeah, I, I'm just really curious. What, what do you got? Why, why do you think, why does Tolkien write it in this way that Frodo at the very end decides to put the ring back on his finger? So Frodo and Aragorn and Gandalf and other characters uh, for, for Tolkien, he writes in these kind of Christ figures. And of course, Tolkien as a, as a Catholic is going to write, Catholicism into his work you know that's just kind of natural uh and in particular he puts Christ into Frodo and Aragorn and Gandalf but important to realize they're not Christ they're not Aslan uh from C.S. Lewis's books mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh, it's not a knock on C.S. Lewis but they just had different takes on how to write a um the series so Aslan is literally Jesus he's, and he's and, lying Jesus right yeah yeah Frodo is not so for Frodo to take this ring that basically symbolizes sin, uh, corruption, and for him to take it all the way up to the cracks of Mount Dune and just overcome it, just beat it on his own because he tried hard and he had the willpower to do so, would have been, you know, everything that's against Catholicism mm -hmm. uh, and Christianity. You know, you can't just will yourself into heaven or do, do an action and say like, oh, I'll try hard. And on my own, I'm going to accomplish this task. Right. We can't do it. Voyagism, um, right? Like working for, working your way to salvation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can't. There's nothing you can do. Even Frodo, who spent, who was a good soul and, and he worked hard and, and even him, he was corrupted in the end. So I think that's just Tolkien saying, um, nothing you do will ever get you to heaven. But, but Frodo and Sam and the rest of the company throughout the books, and Bilbo before Frodo had taken mercy on Gollum. They had every chance to kill him, but they, um, they always showed restraint and they said they, they showed mercy instead of, of justice basically. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what saves him in the end. So it's Gollum who through his, through his free will, which is another conversation because he's kind of a Judas character. Um, through his free will, he bites the ring off and his presence saves Frodo. So if Gollum hadn't been there, Frodo would have been destroyed. Um, and the only reason Gollum is there is because Frodo took the action of mercy earlier in the book. So it's all kind of interconnected, but uh -huh. it's, it's Frodo's past goodwill that was, he didn't even know why he did it at the time, but he was given that grace at the time that kind of saves him in the end, which is, you know, that's wild. Right into, yeah. it makes me think back to uh, Gandalf in the very first one, and uh, in, in the Fellowship, while they're in the Mines of Moria, they find out, they realize that Gollum's following him. They're following them, correct? And he says, mm -hmm. it's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance. And Gandalf says, it's a pity that steadied his hand or something. You don't know talk about? It's pity that steadied his hand. Many, and, many that die deserve life. Many that live uh, deserve death. Can you give it to them? You know, and, and, yeah, and that's, maybe. it's such a powerful thing to say. Yeah. Right. And this is the very thing. If, if, if he wouldn't have studied it, if he wouldn't have allowed Gollum to live, Frodo's sin 
would have consumed him. Frodo's sin would have preserved the ring, but Frodo's like prior grace, which is really interesting. It's like, it's like, yes, he does sin here in keeping the ring, but his earlier actions are the thing that allow, like, it's like God, ah, it's just the genius of the cross. It's like why God allows our sin. It's, it's through our sin that God allows us to be saved. It's wonderful. It's through Frodo's sin. It's through Gollum's sin that allows all of Middle Earth to be saved. Magnificent. Magnificent. Perfectly written. And, and I've I never understood how... it. It never clicked until we, until we started discussing this, like how wonderful, how genius it is of Tolkien to kind of hide this, to kind of hide grace and mercy within this story. For sure. And I didn't understand it. My brother and I talked about it like years ago. Um, when he was in seminary, because I think they took a Tolkien class in seminary. Seminary is a joke. I can't believe that we pay our priests to go to seminary. They just read books and, you guys and could just smoke speak. cigarettes. People should just listen to this for their Tolkien class instead. They can <laughs> their money if they want. Sure. Um, seminary. So, so there's a lot, and there's probably probably a lot more in these books that I'm not, I don't, I've never picked up on. But that's one that yeah. just really is an inspiration to me, even as I write my little you and I are both writing things and it's the type of thing that I would love to write something that in that on the surface level doesn't really seem has like has anything to do with the cross, but underneath has everything to do with the cross. Everything is the cross. Right. 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 And Tolkien hides it so well because people, Christian, Catholic, non Christian, everyone loves this. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I I wanted to touch on one thing, Nate, thank you first off, because that's very, very enlightening, very wonderful. So cool to watch that now in light of that. Um, But I I wanted to talk real quick about Sam and that line that you said uh, before we kind of finish off and move on to the ending here. Um, I I was really, really considering and and thinking about how, how important it is for, especially when we are in our deepest, darkest moments to not isolate ourselves and to not think, we can do this on our own. Even in the midst of quarantine, like there's been times when uh, I, I really enjoy the, my introvert time. I really enjoy, it's kind of great just being just me and Claire, but there's times when it's really hard. And nine times out of 10, when I'm, when I'm having a tough time, when I'm really, when I really, really need something, all I need to do is just talk with someone. All I need to do is admit to someone that I'm having a difficult time and those, those, that person can't, they can't carry my burden, but they can carry me oftentimes. They can carry me out of that hole, that dark pit that I've, that dark pit that I've dug myself in a way. You know what I mean? Do you ever dig yeah. yourself into a pit, just like running around in your own thoughts and your own desperation of like, what's going on, what's wrong, but you don't want to admit it to other people. Right. That, that, that line right there always, always, always reminds me that even, even Jesus needed Simon. I need Simon. I need a friend. I need someone to talk to. Wow. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Like they, and they, they won't be able to fix your problem necessarily. Mm-hmm. It still, it still remains your thing, but they can carry you for. for right. That's there. what's, what's yeah, wonderful that's, that's about awesome. that line is, is they actually can't carry my burden. No, you can't come in and, and figure out my dental school stuff, but you can pick me up for a few moments. You can wow. carry me for a few moments. Beautiful. This is, that's the type of stuff that <clears throat> movies and, and books and in general, not just this nerdy Lord of the Rings stuff, but that's what anything should be. Like you should find little pockets of hope like that in, in, in your books yeah. and your movies. I love yeah. it so much. Um, but here's here's another cool thing. Al, and, and we'll, let's just get to the, uh, to the kind of the trailing ends of this 
the yeah. many endings of this movie. Yeah. But there's the great scene where they're jumping out of Mount Doom um, and they're just holding on to each other. And they, they have just each other. They think they're about to die, but they're, uh-huh. they're together. It's amazing. And then the eagles show up. And, and you know how many there are? There are three eagles. And Gandalf says they, they send three eagles just in case Gollum is still alive. Oh, my goodness. I did Isn't not that know that. <laughs> I did not know that. That's a wonderful. It's incredible. Yeah, I thought you were going to say they... three eagles because of the trinity, but the Gollum part's pretty cool. Too. Yeah, it's, it's just the – just to see if Gollum's still alive. <laughs> oh, that's so really then, neat. So then there's like this the, – they, they black out, and then there's this incredibly over-the-top reunion scene. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. If if a diversion is the worst line, this is the worst scene in all Lord of the Rings. It's so they, they laugh terrible. Their laughter sounds like they've never heard a real human laugh. Before. No, 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 no. And they're it's just brutal. imitating. Oh, it's it's oh, crazy. It's, and it's horrible. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't stand yeah. it. And I also hate the way, like, when Sam walks in the room and this just, just, just the horrible smiles between Sam and Frodo is so cringy. It's bad. Mm-hmm. So we got the Rivendell um, reunion. And then is the next shot them on Minas Tirith? Is that right? So they're not in Rivendell. They're, they're like in Minas. They don't go all the way to Rivendell. But oh, really? Anyway. I always thought that's where they got reunited there. I don't know. Okay. No, no, that's a long way away. So they're, they're just like in Gondor still in um in Athelion, i think where oh, okay. but not not important they so they're yeah they're in minister and I'm they do sorry, the, oh, well, the books actually they never go back uh, yeah yeah so so then the, so, they got the coronation scene though coronation, incredible song is here aragorn busting the pipes uh and then the, my friends you bow to no one again I, another tearjerker this is the this part in the very end are where i always cry i don't know why this part moves me so much I think it's because it's it's the beatitudes so strongly displayed here where these these just four little dumpy hobbits who have who you never in a million years would have expected to save middle earth save middle earth and you see everyone bow before them. Yeah. Uh, it's the like below we shall be exalted blessed are the poor in spirit. It's wonderful. The only thing I can't stand is Frodo's face is a little crappy at this part. He like Kind of looks like he's crying, kind of smiling. I don't know what to think of, of Elijah Wood I, I, here. Yeah, I don't know. Elijah Wood's another one. It hasn't really done much since. So that that's uh, – so I always – I I want Frodo and Sam, you know, to hear that, you know, my friends, you you bow to no one. And then everyone bows down to them. And then I want Frodo and Sam to say, you know, these two barely did anything to marry a <laughs> <laughs> It's like – they were just kind of along for the ride. They did as much as Legolas or Gimli or any of those guys. That's true. Really that's true. The world. That's <laughs> really funny. Like well, these two, uh, yeah, these great. two as well. So when they uh, go yeah. back to the, the the Shire, do they get paid a buttload of money, or, or how does this work out? They got to get some sort of compensation. They get not nothing from the Shire. I wonder if they just took home gold from, like kind of like the way Bilbo did. They had yeah. to, right? Because I, I think guess they're they pretty rich. Sh- they kind of show the way they, they come in and they're all like they they wave to the one hobbit and it looks like they're dressed in some pretty fancy garb. So they, they took home all that. And it's funny, like I think Frodo is already just gonna be a rich dude the rest of his life because of because of Bilbo. Because of Bilbo. But the yeah. the other three have incredible like Sam just gardens, he fixes up the whole shire and he's a professional gardener, which is exactly what you would want Sam to do. And he yeah. he gets voted voted mayor like seven times in a row and and Mary and Pippin are 
however you would call the they're, they're called thanes i think in the book but like the leader of the whole shire that's what they become oh, okay. um yeah so they i mean they take jobs which would be kind of a bummer it'd be like winning the lottery and then like just having to go back to work yeah it's like when and, harry potter has to become an aurora after defeating you know who yeah who must not be named well it's it's they they all deserve patrick mahomes-esque contracts for sure you know 500 million over 12 years may he gotta may he live forever and play football forever really man Mm -hmm. i hope we get football this season i know me too just so we can watch him maybe patrick mahomes we could just watch him throw footballs to to travis kelsey that'd be i'd be okay with that just the two of them on a field sure yeah yeah so we already discussed skyrim the shire that's that's kind of how it is that the very last scene in the books or no no, well, then you get the Grey Havens bit. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. So this this is also very confusing if you're just watching the movies. What, where is what, – what's the deal with Frodo? Where are they going? Where are they, what are these undying lands? Where are these boats heading to? So, yeah, it's, it's a long backstory, and it's – I think the, all you can call it is heaven. You, you, it's, it's not heaven. It's a real place in this world, but it's not – uh, it's not like connected to the world. You can't really get there unless you're with the elves and yeah. all these uh, gosh, you're just gonna make fun of me for knowing too much about this. No, job, this but, is great. I'm very curious of all this. So it, I would call it heaven, but, but um, it's called Valinor and, and they actually go to the, the right, right before you get into Valinor. Um, it's where the elves uh, live. They, they lived there for a long time. It's where the essentially the angels of the earth, it's where Gandalf came from. Um, so the angels or, or gods of this world, they all live over there. And uh, elves get to go there at the end of their lives. Um, so that's why Galadriel goes. And that's why Elrond goes. That's why Gandalf goes. Because Gandalf, he's not an elf, but he he's a, he came from this place. He's like a, a wizard, a, a Maiar. And, and uh, as basically a, a reward for carrying the ring, Frodo and Bilbo get to go. Um, because there's no, they have wounds that cannot be healed anymore. Because they're the the ring oh. came from a, they can't, the ring came from a power like outside of Middle Earth came from Sauron and, and this. While the ring is gone and Sauron is gone, the wounds are still going to be there. So yeah. he lives a life as long as he can, but he knows also that he's never going to be happy. Um, and so, and and the elves recognize that too, so they invite him and he gets is to that- be healed. Do you think there's some sort of like symbolism there, or or where, where do you where do you take from that? Because I always think that's an interesting idea from Tolkien. So I, I I would call it the the idea that Frodo can throw away the ring and the ring can be destroyed, but he is still wounded from what the ring did to him. I think there's there's reality in that. Okay. Um, you know, like like you know, someone struggling with pornography is a great example. Uh, you 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 throw away your your pornography. You you can quit quit cold turkey, whatever. You can be clean a year, but there's still going to be Deeper maybe healing. a spiritual wound or yeah. a healing that needs to take take place. And there is like you think of all kinds of things like that, like you know, relationships with your your parents or things like that. You can maybe mm-hmm. say, Dad, we're all good. I forgive you. And he can say that to you, but. You might these like to... deep wounds of abandonment or rejection from mm-hmm. family, from parents, from childhood. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. So he's just basically, he's been wounded so deeply from it that he needs. Yeah. Huh. That's a really neat, a really neat uh, a parallel there. Okay. I, yeah, I, I like that a lot. 
That's my take. I, I think, and then so you, I think you asked whether Sam, Sam, who bore the ring for like an hour or two, yeah, gets to ever go. And at, in 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 like the appendixes of this book, he, that it's, that actually happens. So he gets to oh, go. Okay. Um, okay. That's, that's he, pretty cool. He spends the last couple of years of his life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Do it's you, a book that's. No, go ahead. What do you What do you got for um? So one of the the big nitpicks I've heard from this movie or big critiques is it seems like it almost has three or four endings in the movie. Do you think they ended this movie correctly? So it ends in the, in the movie, it ends with Sam and back in the Shire with Rosie Cottonfield and their kids. Um, He's just finishing up the Lord of the Rings. I think writing that. Do you think that was the best way to end it? I I think it is. And it actually, it ends, it ends right when he gets home. He doesn't. He doesn't write anything in the book. Oh, he doesn't. He oh, get, okay. I don't know. What to that's that. Frodo. But so the last scene, and I think actually, I'll, I'll just read. Do you mind if I read? Is this going to be? No, no, no go ahead. That's great. That's great. Okay. So, so this is. I love this ending, and I, I love it more and more as I get older. You know, um, because it's not really the ending you might expect, but it's about Sam, not Frodo. So Frodo leaves, and the other hobbits leave, and it's just Sam with his wife. And, and I think Sam is the true hero of, of the story. Yeah. So I'll Sam is the, the, the quiet hobbit, the, the, the one who is always supporting Frodo. He carries him up the mountain. Um, he's stalwart. And it's, he's the guy that Tolkien, uh, his experiences in the Great War. So Tolkien is an officer in World War I. Mm-hmm. He's kind of in a higher class. He's educated. Um, so he's like Frodo. Um, but he saw the courage of the enlisted men and was so inspired by that. And that's kind of what he had in mind with Sam. Just, just kind of this salt of, yeah, salt of the earth dude, a gardener. He's not, doesn't, doesn't speak properly, all these things, but he is just, he just does the right thing. Um, okay, so, so let me read this last paragraph describing the end of their journey. Like this is truly the end. And it, the whole journey has been about the Shire this whole time and about Sam. So. All right. At last, they rode down over the downs and took the east road, and then Mary and Pippin rode on to Buckland, and already they were singing again as they went. But Sam turned to Bywater, and so came back up the hill, as day was ending once more. And he went on, and there was yellow light and fire within, and the evening meal was ready, and he was expected. And Rose drew him in and set him in his chair, and put little Eleanor upon his lap. He drew a deep breath. Well, I'm back, he said. I just think it's a perfect, a perfect ending to oh, like all man. these journeys are finally over and he's right where he wanted to be the entire time. You know what's time. my favorite line there is there's yellow light everywhere. Like you can feel that. Mm-hmm. You can imagine mm-hmm. it. You can, you can see, see that sunset it. and you can feel like I love Rosie and Eleanor, and oh, he was wonderful. expected in his home. Yeah, it's it's great. It's and the great evening stuff. meal was ready, mm-hmm. baby. That is. I, good. I, I think that's a great way to end the pod, Nate. I'm same, gonna, dude. I'm gonna go do the same thing with my wife upstairs. That's great. We already had dinner, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, hey, it was good to get back uh, podding with you, man. We'll we, let's not wait again. Uh, no, no, so no. I'm very time. excited. We got one more Lord of the Rings pod coming up soon. We're gonna do a recap. Woo! Can be great. Get hype, everyone. Oh, Give the people what they want. All right, right, man. Love you, Nate. That was wonderful. Love, love you, dude. Later. Yo, mama, I'm gonna keep it real with you. Yo, 
think it would end this way. End? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path. One that we all must take. <laughs>